Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to episode 113 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Paris, and this is Chris. Hello. This time, we uh, we, we read Midnight Sun by Stephanie oh, Meyer. We had to eventually, right? Yeah, this was, uh, this was published in 2020 by Megan Tingley at Little Brown and Company, a division just of like Hatchet Book Group. Yeah, I want everyone to know that there is really just one person responsible for, for <laughs> accepting this. all the copies by hand. And publishing it. No, it was just very obvious in the forward and in, like, Stephanie Meyer's discussions. Anyway, Megan Tingley, that's who you have to blame. Megan Tingley and Stephanie Meyer. All right, <sighs> um, so Midnight Sun... Uh, guess what? It's Twilight, the first book in the series, but from Edward's perspective, because apparently the world needed that, I guess. <laughs> I, I think don't know. Maybe they just needed a little bit more cash from that cow. I yeah, I agree that this is just milked, milked from that that sad Twilight cow. Uh, we we had several Ooh. listeners. <laughs> I, it's just the same plot over and over. There's not even that much here. Moo, stop. Moo. <laughs> I want to milk you. Um, <laughs> we had several listeners and friends um, ask us to read this when it came out about a year ago, and many more people before that who wanted us to read the regular uh, Twilight books from the original series. So, yeah, I suppose it was inevitable that we that we arrived here at this. Special thanks to uh, Twitter user and listener uh at laughter by night they were kind enough to send us an electronic copy of this book so we actually didn't have to waste money on it thank you so much you are Hooray. awesome <laughs> we we really appreciated having this this delicious free copy not that um, it's hard to get this book because it haunts me everywhere i go i'm in any store i'm in the book <laughs> section paris this thing would just be ah! staring at me sneak up on me like a vampire that stalks you all the time <laughs> you know very relevant you know i wonder if they were like Oh, we need a marketing strategy. And someone was like, I know. Let's just do what the main character of this book does. We're going to select random podcasters and just harass them until wear them down. Just be present until they go, fine. All right. We'll read it. Oh, no. I meant I meant they were stalking you in stores with the books. Just like just like yeah, the main character stalks. All right, we've ruined that joke. Moving on. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the show, what we do here other than ruin jokes uh, is we read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of the three. And sometimes, like today, we read books that folks request. Sometimes those folks are our patrons, uh, listeners, or friends. 
So we do the opposite of what most people do when they are in a bookstore or while they're browsing the internet looking for an ebook. Usually this experiment results in a disappointing read, but once in a while we do actually end up liking the book. You know, never, we never really know. I, I feel like today we had a, we had a good, a idea. good idea. I've, I've encountered <laughs> Twilight a yeah. couple of times. I haven't read the books, but you know, seen bits of the movies, uh, you know, through osmosis of popular culture, have yeah. heard a few things about that. I, I wasn't expecting much. Yeah, same. All right, so content warnings for today. Um, in addition to our usual barnyard language, which you have already been hearing for several minutes now, today's episode includes discussion of blood, murder ideation, vampires, and stupid fucking teenagers. So if, like, any of those things are a problem for you, a stupid fucking teenager specifically really need a content warning for how stupid yeah. the teenagers are. Mm -hmm. Um all right, yep. uh, I guess I'll do the back of the book summary for you here, Paris, and uh, right. then you can do the, our summary of, of what happens in this, in this novel. Here's the back of the book for you. Number one best-selling author Stephanie Meyer makes a triumphant return to the world of Twilight with this highly anticipated companion, the iconic love story of Bella and Edward told from the vampire's point of view. When Edward Cullen and Bella Swan met in Twilight, an iconic love story was born. But until now, fans have heard only Bella's side of the story. At last, readers can experience Edward's version in the long-awaited companion novel, Midnight Sun. This unforgettable tale, as told through Edward's eyes, takes on a new and decidedly dark twist. Meeting Bella is both the most unnerving and intriguing event he has experienced in all his years as a vampire as we learn more fascinating details about Edward's past and the complexity of his inner thoughts, <laughs> Sorry. we understand why this is the defining struggle of his life. How can he justify following his heart if it means leading Bella into danger? In Midnight Sun, Stephanie Meyer transports us back to a world that has captivated millions of readers and brings us an epic novel about the profound pleasures and devastating consequences of immortal love. Thanks, thanks for taking us through really that. Winding, you know, really giving like, us the foreplay there. Oh at yeah, the start warming us up. Yeah. All right. So for characters and setting here, uh, it takes place in Forks, Washington, in the Pacific Northwest of America. You know, because it's cloudy and rainy all the time, which is good for the vampires. Even though the vampires aren't burning. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna still, talk about. I'm gonna yeah, get into get to my later, my yeah. thesis on that. <laughs> A bit later. Then, then we have uh, Isabella Swan. The you know you, everyone knows I think who Bella is at this point. Her dad Charlie, the the police dad that just doesn't know anything ever. Yes. Renee, her mother. Um, you've got the Cullen family, quote unquote slash vampire coven, which is Edward, of course. His father, quote unquote Carlisle. And we have Esme, who is Carlisle's partner slash the matriarch of the coven. Mm -hmm. And we've got uh, fellow vampires, Rosalie, Alice, Emmett, and Jasper. Wow, good memory on that one. I was really worried that I wasn't going to remember if you slipped up. So thank you. <laughs> uh, then you've got some random humans and forks, like a couple people that go to the high school that Edward and Bella attend, which like, honestly, they're immaterial. They're kind of there for window yeah. dressing. Of, like, here's some extra humans in the high school that are kind of competing maybe for the affection of Bella a little bit or Bella's attention, let's mm. say. Got to cut that off real quick. <laughs> um, and then we have... Um, some other vampires popping up here and there's basically like one other vampire 
crew that pops up plus like there was like edward's encounter with like that other vampire lady i forget what her name was yeah i actually thought she was a succubi at the beginning because of the way she was described and no no just vampire it's only vampires and And i guess you have the werewolves briefly jacob black shows up twice in the whole book yeah and i guess it just led me to think that like why are all these fantasy creatures all over washington state what's going on just the vamps and the werewolves yeah but hey uh fucking guess what no werewolf action in this book at all. Very disappointing. All right. <clears throat> Here is our summary of kind of the main plot points and events uh, that hopefully by telling you, you will have an easier time understanding our critique of the book. So these are kind of the, the basic plot points is written by Chris, read by me, a person who has not yet read this. <laughs> it's always a little so, fun to do that. Yeah. All right. <clears> hmm. <throat> Edward Cullen is a roughly 100-year-old vampire living in okay, Fort Washington. Why you have to put this voice on it, all right? A small town close to Seattle. He lives with his family. <laughs> what is this ca- Paris? Who is this? I was trying to think of, like, a stereotypical hoity-toity vampire voice, and somehow I just... <laughs> he That's what vampires sound? Okay. Oh, okay, maybe, maybe I'll try this again. Let's yeah. Try- just do it normally. <laughs> Sorry. Now I'm thinking about Victoria and Goofy. That one really got you, huh? <laughs> okay. Oh, man. If you don't stop, I'm going to do this in a Goofy. All right, place. all right, all right. Look, if uh, if if you want to know more about Victoria and Goofy, become a patron of the Antiques Rings. <laughs> Moving on. All right. Ahem. <clears throat> Edward Cullen is a roughly 100-year-old vampire living in Forks, Washington, a small town close to Seattle. He lives with his family, a.k.a. Vampire Coven, on the outskirts of town and attends the local high school with the younger-looking members of his family, Alice, Rosalie, Emmett, and Jasper, to maintain some kind of cover for their identities since they are immortal and must periodically move around when people get suspicious of their non-aging. Edward's boring existence is shattered one day in school when there is a girl whose thoughts he cannot read. This, along with her extremely appetizing smell, fascinates Edward, and he begins to walk a fine line of wanting to know more about her, but also eat her. By the necessities of plot, they sit next to each other in a science class and start talking to each other. By further necessities of plot, a truck taking a turn too fast into a school parking lot almost crushes Bella between it and her truck. However, Edward is able to use his superhuman speed and strength to save her. Edward takes Bella to the hospital where they meet his father, Carlisle, who's a doctor there. Bella begins to become suspicious of Edward's abilities due to this incident. Edward begins to feel protective of Bella and begins obsessively stalking her, going so far as to watch her sleep at night from within her bedroom on multiple occasions. Meanwhile, Alice Cullen is able to tell Edward that she... As a clairvoyant, so again, this is a clairvoyant vampire, Alice clairvoyant vampire, sees into Bella's future in which she is inevitably wrapped up in the Collins' lives in some way, and some of these ways horrify Edward. Because, you know, in some paths he eats her, in some paths she also becomes a vampire, etc., etc. Edward is able to save Bella again, this time from a possible sexual assault, and after a few days and talking to her friend Jacob Black, she is able to figure out that Edward's a vampire. The next 10 or so chapters are the two of them getting to know each other with riveting date conversations like, what's your favorite color? And what kind of music is in your car? 
while Edward becomes even more possessive, if you can imagine that. He soon introduces her to his family, Coven, and they all go out for a game of vampire baseball in the woods during a thunderstorm. They have to play baseball during a thunderstorm because otherwise their inhuman strength and noises would attract attention. But alas, their game draws the attention of three roaming vampires, one of which is a quote-unquote tracker, a relentless hunter type of vampire. He smells Bella, and because she has this just ridiculously delicious smell to vampires, um, this, this begins a five or so chapter chase scene that involves running around the continental U.S. literally running, um, a plane trip to Phoenix, and multiple stolen cars. The tracker is able to get Bella alone by re reconstructing her mother's voice from home movies and pretending to have her hostage. Bella decides to go save her mom and sacrifice herself so all of the trouble surrounding her stops. The tracker vampire severely injures her and is about to finish her off after, of course, a lengthy villain monologue when the Cullens show up just in the nick of time, save Bella from the brink of death, um, and kill the tracker. Uh, Bella had gotten bitten by the vampire and they decide that the best course of action here is to have Edward suck the venom out of the, the bite on her hand. Um, you know, the, the, of course they are successful. A cover story is then concocted uh, while Bella recovers in the hospital. Edward then forces Bella to go to prom and then we're teased with the beginnings of the werewolf versus vampire love triangle plot that probably maybe dominates the rest of the franchise. And <laughs> yeah, sorry, I forgot. I did actually go in there and add that explanation about Bella, how the tracker got Bella, because I figured it out after. It was very so, unclear. It was pretty unclear, surprisingly. All right, so um, with that, <laughs> let us yeah. proceed. Before, Paris, before we even dive into this, I know we usually do the things we like first, but let me just say that this book was a unique slog. <laughs> out of all of the books that we have read for Terrible Book Club, I had some of the hardest times just willing myself to reopen <laughs> this thing and get through more of these 620-some pages. I 620! Believe... No, no, no. It's I believe it was 672. Okay, even worse. So, <laughs> um, I Yeah, I similarly had this problem where I'd be like, okay, it's nice out. I'm going to go sit on the back deck and read. And so I did this and it made it a lot more pleasant. Uh, there's a, there's a fountain out there now, you know, the yard's full of all kinds of good flowers and stuff. It's, it's a good time. And I'm like, all right, I can handle this sitting in the, in the sunshine or in the shade of the tree and whatever. It's, it's a shitty book. At least I'm sitting outside. I got a nice fountain going. And while I'm reading this book, a bird shit on my laptop. <laughs> and for me, that was like the ultimate yeah. sign that this is not to be trifled with. Yeah. Um, this was such a hard time for me that uh, the terrifying visage of Terriblo himself is is now emblazoned upon me. I have been marked by this book, Paris. By, by the book God. It's true. Chris actually has a really rad tattoo of the book God that we... I don't want to say pretend exists because I think we've actually willed him into existence. At yeah, point. at this point, he's With literally them? manifested on my arm is how I'm taking this deal. Actually, actually I think it's a, this think was it's... a uniquely horrific, horrific experience for me. <laughs> I think Terriblo. I always I always say him, but I think Terriblo is they them. I don't think we know if Terriblo yeah. has a has a gender. I, I would not assign any gender to that. No, but, but uh, Chris has been. Sick... Yeah, I have been marked. 
Wait, no, that's the other vampire series. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. We'll probably post pictures on social media when it's done, but Chris got all the line work done. It looks fucking awesome. And fun fact, that's going to sort of be sort of uh, what's on some of our new merch. So uh, get excited for uh, Eldritch. detail there before we dive into this. Eldritch, Eldritch book gods. Uh, one more thing about the uniquely terrible experience of reading this book. So like I said, you know, I was sitting outside. One of the times I was sitting outside reading my laptop did get shit on by a bird. I did have to dig bird shit out of my laptop keys. Do not recommend. Um, secondly, though, on more than one occasion, I'd be reading and reading for like 15, 20 minutes and then realize this isn't the right spot. I've already read this fucking chapter. <laughs> Making it worse for yourself. Great. It happened. I think but you can't three fucking different... tell, right? Perhaps right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. It happened three, I think three or four times. And I was like, God fucking damn it. Like, cause yeah, like Chris said, it, it runs to, it all runs together so much in the first, I don't know, 80% of the book that you actually don't know. Like, it doesn't matter where you are. It's a lot of the same <laughs> shit. Yeah. For a lot of these pages. Yes. So, all right. That's that's kind of our preamble. Uh, let's let's talk about things that were good. This will be brief. All right. Um. So, I will say, I was surprised by two things about the writing. One, it actually seems to be edited in terms of grammar, spelling, syntax. Um, although not edited for redundancy, but no. edited for uh, technicality's sake, you know, um, it's definitely not a tight. It is not tightly written at all. No. Nope. Um, and the dialogue and behaviors of characters are definitely alien a lot of the time. But but the writing was overall better than I imagined it would be. There were even a couple of phrases that were okay. You know, it's a step below Anne Rice, but not nearly as bad as the selections I've read from like Shades, Fifty Shades of Grey, and which for some reason I thought that this was kind of on the same level as. No, but Fifty Shades I, is like a copy of this, which is like horrendous. Yeah, I so I will say, it's um, I didn't enjoy it, but. At least I wasn't, you know, like stumbling over excess commas or like trying we'll to even agree. understand what a sentence meant. You know, it, you can read it as a human. S yes. <laughs> like, Stephanie no, Meyer is like competent with putting paragraphs and ideas together. And mm -hmm. I don't usually I didn't feel too lost. There was a couple of parts where I was like, wait, what happened here? But I really. Yeah, I really think the only part that was confusing was just when. What during the chase thing at the end, and I kind of figured out what happened, but yeah, it was it was pretty unclear. Yeah, but like, in, it, there's a, Edward's inner monologue is just the problem with it is that it's the same shit over and over and again. But if you had cut that for some redundancy, perfectly readable, I would say, not something I'd enjoy all the time, but certainly a step above, a cut above a lot of the other stuff we've read here. Yeah, so I was I was definitely surprised by the fact that, it, yeah, you know, the writing wasn't quite as terrible as I imagined. Don't take that to mean that I'm saying this was well-written or that I don't have any problems with it. I do, but credit is due, you yes. know, for the fact that it was, it was you know, a, it was edited, it was closely edited for at least technical writing aspects. And, um, you know, we, you could read a sentence and know what it meant. 
There you go. And, and I know this sounds like, why are you even saying this? But if you've ever listened to the show before, yeah, the you bar will has know. been missed many times. <laughs> yeah, that basic ass bar not often cleared on the show. Um, <clears throat> all right, my next point. Um, I love the cover photograph. I yeah, know that I will has say, all of the covers for the Twilight books are pretty good. I love the cover for this because I love pomegranates. They're my favorite fruit. And it's just a gorgeous photo. And I know this is kind of a weird thing to think about, but I was like, God damn, that's some good marketing. Because like I it would is. see I would see that and go, I want to fucking read this pomegranate. Yeah, um, I totally agree. There's a specific photographer that's done all their cover art. Um, I should have maybe. I'm actually, I was just getting it. Yeah. Thank you, Roger Hagadone. Hagadone. Yeah. Thank you. You, you do good work. You did some great photos. I I really think that that's kind of something that would, you know, it's something that would draw people in. It's Very eye-catching. Good, good choice. Um, I, as a blind person, always saw the cover in a bookstore with ease. Like, I, it's not like I over, like, glanced, like, glossed over it. Every time I would see that pomegranate on the shelves, my eye would instantly be like, oh, shit, there it is, before I well, even saw the cover. Well, you wouldn't have I, seen... I mean, the title. Well, I mean, the pom- this book came out last year, so I don't think you would have seen it in a... In a store. I think you're probably thinking of the other covers because they were like... No, Paris. No, I've seen Midnight... For the last four to five months, every time I am in a book section in like a Target or a grocery store... Oh, you mean in the recent past. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Every time I've been in like walking through a book section there, there's Midnight Sun. Yeah. Easily spottable because of its beautiful cover. Yeah. Good choice of cover. Nice work, Mr. Hadone. Hagadone. Sorry, I'm probably not Hagadone. I don't know. All right, and the uh, the third thing I really liked was that I actually, you know, if you've listened to the show before, you'll know that I really like when books are set, fan- when like fantasy or sci-fi books are set in real places and have real landmarks and towns and stuff. It just gives it, for lack of a better word, a, a sense of realism, right? Because when you're reading something that's fantastical, it's fun to imagine that it could be real. And I think when you incorporate some elements of reality like place names and buildings and things like that it it lends itself uh to realism and it can make it a little bit more fun um this is also something i liked about um ninth house too chris what did did you like about this anything um no you said the things okay i wasn't sure if (laughs) if you're like those three things were it has a pretty cover on the pretty picture on the cover and it has real places in it so you know really kind of stretching here Uh, you know i guess i will mm, i guess maybe i should search for other for other things to credit um Mm, i don't know we've got we got a lot of yeah (laughs) sure we do a lot to cover all right Things that were not good. All right, we had to break this out into three distinct sections to keep ourselves organized because, wowee, do we have a lot of notes. Um, mm-hmm. so, all right, so the first section, and and some of these overlap, but we'll try to just keep to the points about, you know, this, con- this topic uh, when we talk about it. So the first section is writing, phrasing, and just literary construction. So, um... Something we talked about before is that this is, holy shit, this is not tightly written. This is way too much writing about nothing, about the same things over and More over again. Like Edward just constantly obsessing about like, well, I like her. I should probably stay away from her because I'll probably eat her or ruin her life by turning her into a vampire. He has a lot of angst about either I'm going to kill her or turn her into a vampire, which is actually worse. 
So yeah. one thing I do appreciate is that the, a lot of the vampires don't, especially the maybe specifically the Cullen family, does not enjoy being vampires. Oh, so, right. Yeah. The, the, of course, there's some, this like dark angst through the whole thing of Edward being like, no matter what happens, if I stay in her life, she's going to either be a vampire or be killed, which is both bad. I should stay away from her. Even Alice is seeing things sometimes that lend credence to that. Although that's another thing that will... Yeah, we'll talk about it in a second. But so, like, I didn't really just want to talk about how the the writing you just kind of get crushed by, I don't know, an excess ten chapters of just fifteen chapter. I I mean, honestly, this really could be cut down quite a bit. It is, I so technically it's twenty nine chapters in an epilogue, but really it's just thirty chapters because the epilogue is just a chapter. I don't know why it's called an epilogue. It does not do the things an epilogue normally does. Thirty chapters. I think this book could easily have been 10 chapters. Yeah, like Very you, you could easily. hit a lot of the same beats and just cut out these, like, there's like four chapters where they're just going out on the town sometimes and asking each other questions that do nothing to sort of elaborate upon why they might have this so-called iconic chemistry. Yeah, and there's also all these overwrought scenes about them in school. And, like, I only need one or two scenes of them in school. I don't need ten Like, I don't need to keep going back to school where you keep going to biology class and you keep thinking about eating or fucking Bella. Like, I just, I don't need to have that experience (laughs) 10 times or five times or however many times it happens. It happens too many times is the point. And, And like Chris was saying, there's also, they spend all this time together and you waste all of these words, all these precious pages, all these trees died for this conversation. And the conversations are just vapid. Can can we just, can we just, I know this might be in the later like relationship dynamics section, but I really think we should lead off with the date conversation that happens in chapter 13. (laughs) You know, no, that's illustrative of many of our points, but uh, yeah, I think that's, that's a good idea. Okay. So in chapter 13, Bella and, uh, uh, Edward. Ed- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Bella and fucking Edward. Uh, I forget why they're meeting. Um, it's just like they, they're hanging out again. Like they, they're going they on started a date. Ta- they're going yeah, they started talking more, and now they're doing this thing where like, they ask each other questions, and there's they call it like interrogations, and they like trade off who gets to ask questions. Do they call it interrogations? I don't the, remember One that. of the chapters is called interrogations. Or like investigations or something like that, which is that this is already a horribly mechanical robotic way to go about dating. <laughs> yes. Okay, today it's your turn to ask me the question. Yes. To know more about me. <laughs> Tomorrow it will be your turn. Um, <laughs> and that is actually what they do. So Chris and I are going to read this scene. Uh, do we want to gender swap it or do we want? No, let's keep me Bella and you, Edward, just to keep things okay. kind of consistent in yeah. people's minds. All right. This, so this is. This We're not doing any of the interior dialogue. Or it's just the dialogue outside from their mouths. It's so as if you are in the car here and you don't get to hear anyone's thoughts. We're just <laughs> going to do this date conversation. Okay. Good morning. How are you today? Good, thank you. You look tired. I couldn't sleep. <laughs> Neither could I. <laughs> I guess that's right. I suppose I slept just a little bit more than you did. I'd wager you did. So what did you do last night? Not a chance. It's my day to ask questions. That's right. What do you want to know? 
What's your favorite color? It changes from day to day. Well, what's your favorite color today? Mm, probably brown. Brown? Sure. Brown is warm. I miss brown. Everything that's supposed to be brown, tree trunks, rocks, dirt, it's all covered up with squashy green stuff here. You're right. Brown is warm. What music is in your CD player right now? Mm. Oh, right. It's Linkin Park. Hybrid theory. Debussy to this? Which is your favorite song? Mm. With you, I think. Why that one? I'm not sure. Your favorite movie? I'm not sure I can pick just one. Favorite movies, then? Mm, definitely Pride and Prejudice. The six-hour one with Colin Firth, Vertigo, and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. There are more of it. I'm blanking. Tell me what you think of them. While you consider that, tell me what your favorite scent is. Lavender, or maybe clean laundry. Was there more than that? No, just those. What candy do you like best? Black licorice and Sour Patch Kids. Where would you like to travel most? Think about it for a little bit and give me your answer at lunch. Okay, that... Do you, do you guys hear this date conference? Like, it's riveting! Th this is like the iconic chemistry! chemistry. The, <laughs> Fucking the, the fireworks! Bam, bam. Most of, brown is warm. Oh shit, fuck me right here in this car, bro. <laughs> oh, brown oh. is warm? Oh my god. Shall we, shall we resume the conversation? No, but heavens fucking no, Paris. No, no, we're going back. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast and The Empire Strikes Back. I know that's everyone's favorite, but... For good reason. Did you think about my travel question? Yes, I, I think Prince Edward Island, Anne of Green Gables, you know? But I'd also like to see New York. I've never been to a big city that was mostly vertical. Just sprawl places like LA and Phoenix. I'd like to try hailing a cab. <laughs> and then if I can go anywhere, I'd want to go to England. See all the stuff I've been reading about. Tell me your favorite places that you've already been. <laughs> are we on a date or are you a fishing expert pa trying yeah, to get Paris, my password? I, I can't do any more of this date. We're not, we're, <laughs> like, what, 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 what's your mother's maiden name? Like, what's, yeah, your, what's, what's, the, your, like, what's the first car you drove? This is horrendous date chemistry. Like if I've been, I've been this guy on a couple of dates and I realized much later, like that I've been, I was this fucking terrible. I had nothing to say besides like, uh, what, uh, what color do you like? Oh, brown is warm. Yeah. <laughs> the empire strikes back. Good choice, my laddie. Like not adding anything, just like going right down like the fucking list so I could just steal your identity. Like, <laughs> yeah, you got to get into the, you got to get through those security questions. Like, seriously, this is what people are like, because what other chemistry is there besides he's saving her life sometimes like that's the other stuff they have these conversations and the there are two things so other than the boring ass conversations that make really no sense if you're talking about chemistry chris is right uh she has the allure to him because he's like mysteriously saved her life and he is has an allure um 
I'm not, why am I saying it like that? He is attracted to her because she is the one person whose thoughts he cannot read. So Edward, every vampire has like a special vampire power, you know, like his uh, sister Alice is uh, uh, clairvoyant. You know, she can see into the future, um, I guess the present and the future actually. Um, And I forget, some other ones have different, you know, specialties and he can read minds and he has never encountered anyone whose mind he couldn't read until Bella. So like, I understand that he might be really interested in figuring out like, what the fuck? Why can't I read this one's mind? And that's why. I, so I get it, you know, cause at first I was like, why would a vampire, you know, it's the age old question that we ask, why would a vampire have any interest in a teenager? Um, and at least in this case, you get a stepping off point that kind of makes sense. Um, <clears throat> But still doesn't make for, like, lasting, life-altering romance, you know? Um, all right. So back to back to some writing and phrasing yeah. and construction things. So after, you know, after we all survived that riveting date conversation, um, God, for some reason, Bella's skin is always cream. It's always cream. Pale cream. Cream. And I <laughs> fucking hate it. Don't use the same word. Also, okay, one, don't use food words to describe the way women look because it's just but, gross. But, but vampire, but, va- but Paris, but vampire. That's like the whole thing here. In this case. Yeah, but vampires don't eat cream. Yeah, so also that would be unappetizing <laughs> to him. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, vampire. I'm a cream eat- vampire. <laughs> I suck the moisture from your cakes. Well, the, I mean, <laughs> this goes along with our, our, our cow pyre at the beginning here. Yeah, true. Um dairy so, vampire oh that'd be me dude that is me who am i kidding i'll suck the cream right out of your cakes <laughs> <laughs> keep your cakes away from paris the oh cream man pyre. i just wish i didn't like sweets so much um anyway so let's let's read some other choice lines um there is a line so, uh where bella is telling edward that she is so clumsy i'm almost disabled Oh, not good. Sorry. I mean, you know, teenager in high school probably does not the most sensitive all the time about things anyway. But like, yeah, you could just maybe not put it that way, Stephanie. Yeah, like Stephanie Meyer. It's 2020. I'm sure you've been, you know, I know you've been working on this fucking. actually. Oh, well, this came out in 2020. Yeah, true. You know, I, I'm sure you've been working on your Magnus Open. Mag- Magnus. <laughs> My Magnus Open. <laughs> magnum opus for 15 years now you know this this rewriting of the first book you wrote so i don't know just use a little care just say something that isn't that it just it's just unfortunate and awful uh the sentence where the title of the book comes from is just a great example of some bad writing in here this is edward saying my life was an unending unchanging midnight it must by necessity always be midnight for me so how was it possible that the sun was rising now in the middle of my midnight and of course the sun rising is bella i just thought it was so lame and just could have been put in such a better way (laughs) i mean four uses of the word midnight in a row there's just a little (laughs) clunky Clunky is a good way to use night one time or evening darkness i don't know yeah anything um yeah, there. I mean, they're also like it's back going back to the how kind of alien the conversations are. 
Bella and Edward continue to have these weird conversations, and some of them include both of them describing the configurations of their homes and Holy bedrooms. Holy shit, I'm tearing <laughs> my clothes off right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, tell me where that nightstand is. Oh! <laughs> the feng shui is so good. How many flannels are on that recliner? Oh, five. Oh. I, 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 I've been an immortal vampire for a hundred years, and I spent all of it getting precisely everything in the perfect spot for the best flow. But we have to move all the time, so it fucks me up. <laughs> That's actually the biggest struggle of his life, turns yeah. out. <laughs> Not this romance. No, no. Feng shui. Um, I mean, just some other weird things, like... The, you know, Bella goes to meet Edward's family. The, so, uh, sorry, I should say, along the lines of behavior and dialogue being sort of alien, you know, Bella goes to meet his family. She is there for, she has a five-second introduction where she literally says, hello, and, like, <laughs> shakes people's hands. And all the vampires are thinking in their minds, oh, my God, she's perfect. She's darling. And they consider her family, like, the next day or next week i couldn't i can't quite remember but literally the next day i think some of this has to do with alice's clairvoyance being sort of like the you know oh i promise guys it'll end up this way so you might as well start treating her nice now or something but it just it just doesn't i even with the clairvoyance (laughs) it's literally door opens and she goes hello and everyone's like "Ooh, oh she's perfect she's darling like, what is so perfect and darling about her? I mean, I guess if you want to just go on physical appearance, you sure, if you're like, oh, look at that girl looks like an injured baby bird, a lover. Yeah, like, that's, I don't okay, know. Paris, that's the whole thing with this is Edward is just obsessed with her for phys- like how she looks and smells and the fact that he can't read her thoughts that you have not gotten to know her. <laughs> nope. If you're asking her what her favorite color is and like, where would you like to travel? That is just, you know, periphery shit to start a deeper conversation. You're not supposed to just run down the list of like, here's my likes and dislikes. You're supposed to use that as a little goading pole to like, like get you down that river where I'm I'm losing my mind about Go- this already. I think I think you're you thinking are you thinking of a gondola? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the 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 writing excuse me. So yeah, the the writing in service to this idea that there's this monumental life-changing romance, it just doesn't cut it. It doesn't it's not believable. I don't believe this. <laughs> like I just I can understand that a teenager and some weird old vampire who's stuck in a teenager's body might have a, like, I don't know, it might be a little into each other, but I don't buy that it's as intense as they both say. As Chris pointed out, they don't even know each other and their interactions are, I mean, they don't even, they they barely get physical with each other. I think they, they have a couple of kisses and yeah. handholds. What Edward ends up liking about her personality is that she is nice to a fault and also has no sense of self-preservation that is mainly what he likes about her well yeah and i mean in his in his obsession i'm gonna say obsession not love because a that's actually the word the the character uses and b it is obviously that and not love through context um like his obsession is in saving her and and keeping her from harm and protecting her and watching over her Again, a lot of the times he talks about her, he could be talking about a small animal. And and it, it's funny, but it's also kind of sad and true. Like, um, there are all these times where he says, like, 
oh no, I forgot she had to eat. And he tells, you know, his mom like, hey, she's a human. She needs to have at least three meals a day, at least that's much water. She should sleep for eight hours. Like, is this a hamster or your girlfriend? I, I don't. And like, even sometimes he'll look at her and be like, oh, I really wish she had worn something else. Like that doesn't really fit her frame. Well, he's like sweater shaming her at one point. It's like, is this a dog you're putting a cute sweater on or is it your girlfriend? I mean, obviously, you know, you can have feelings about whether something looks good or not on a partner, but it, th- there's just all this, <laughs> all of this shit. Like, um, the way that he thinks about her, he looks in her eyes at one point and thinks she's quote unquote, perfectly vulnerable, which is just an extremely weird thing to think about a teenage girl rather than, I don't know, a bird. Like, um, just everything he does. Oh, sorry. I'm like kind of straying into the next part for the relationship yeah, dynamic. So let's, let's try to tie up the writing and phrasing and construction. I mean, again, it is redundant. It's not tightly edited. You could easily cut this book down to 10 chapters. I mean, if you really want to get fancy, 12 or 15, but like 30 chapters of this is so unnecessary. And I know that the idea was that she was going to like mirror the first book and have all the same scenes plus a few extras, but like maybe just keep the ones that are relevant. Maybe, maybe don't make us sit through five chapters of Edward going, should I eat her? Should I not eat her? Should I eat her? Should I not eat her? And I don't know. I didn't feel like I really learned anything beyond like Chris said, beyond what we already knew through osmosis from popular culture. I mean, the only stuff I kind of learned was like that they have to play baseball during thunderstorms. Also that vampires are into baseball for reasons, (laughs) question mark, no idea. Um, I mean, the back of the book talks about Edward's complex inner thoughts, but the complexity is just the the balancing point of like, I think I'm in love with her or, or is that me just wanting to eat her? Yeah, and it's not deeper than that. They're not complex, and yeah, I mean, mostly he's just like, I really want to kiss her, but I know I'll eat her if I do. So, or you know, or he'll be like, I really shouldn't be near her, but I really want to be near her. It's really not. I mean, complicated would imply that there's more than two choices, right? Or like three choices, (laughs) which yeah, you know, I mean, he has, he can have a relationship with her, he can be her friend, he can just totally ignore her. I mean, kind of got three options there. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, not very complicated. I mean, I, I get she's probably, I mean, the author or the, the whoever wrote the blurb was probably, they probably meant complex to mean like, oh, what a difficult decision, even though that's not really what that word means. So I don't know. Um, it's also just funny to think that he's so attracted to her smell that he wants to eat her. I just think that that's more funny than dangerous. Yeah. I, is that supposed to be sexy? I don't know. I think it's supposed to be like, ooh, danger, but it's just yeah. bad. Um, some other weird writing things. I mean, there's this point where they're, you know, in one of their amazing date conversations where he's asking her what she wanted to, what she wants to be when she grows up. And she said, I once thought of working for a publisher as an editor or something. Her nose wrinkled. I did some research. It's a lot easier to get a job as a teacher, much more practical. And I was just like, dude, did you also research how stressful, shitty, and poorly paid being a teacher is yeah. <laughs> versus working in publishing? Like, it's not an easy ride to be a teacher. Oh, it's so easy. Like, yeah, it's easy to get a job because no one wants to be a teacher. It's also not even that easy in some states because there's a lot no. of certifications you have to go through. That's also true. Um, I guess it would be easy to get a job teaching at a private school that didn't care. 
But yeah, yes. you're right. I, I just feel like trying to say, oh, working as a teacher is so much, so much better and more practical than working in publishing. And I'm like, Man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah. know about that. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think I already complained about how the epilogue is really just chapter 30. And I, I, it just, I don't know why you would label it epilogue. It's just chapter 30. It's just... And I say that because it's not... Because usually epilogues are shorter than a chapter and they kind of tie up a bunch of loose ends and they maybe take place a bit further out in time than the end of the final chapter. But this isn't an epilogue because it's as long as any of the other chapters. It picks up pretty much immediately, I think maybe like a week or two later, but the same stuff is going on. Nothing has changed. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing that really changes, Bella has gotten a little bit better from her accident. And then they go to, uh, Edward forces her to go to prom without telling her, which is weird. I think she thought they were going to, like, go fuck or get married or something. No, and then they she, go to thought, she thought he was going to turn her into a vampire. Oh, you're right. Yeah, she's like, oh, I got all, you had your sister doll me up so I could become a vampire. And he was like, no, I'm actually taking you to prom. And she was like, I fucking hate, I don't want to go to prom. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? And he's like, humor me. And, like, she just, like, wrote, but, mm, mm, mm. I mean, also, she can barely walk because one of her legs is still, like, yes. I think in a cast or something. Yes. Yes. It, or or she has a she's crutches, I think. Yeah. So she doesn't really have any mobility to escape the situation. So she just kind of takes it and goes to prom. <laughs> Even cool. though she didn't want to. Thanks, boyfriend. Real cool. Real cool boyfriend, right? Kidnaps you to drag you to prom that you don't want to go to. Sick. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Like, there's a bunch of other problems, but mostly the writing and phrasing and stuff and the construction could have been saved by just cutting out over yeah. half of this book. Most of the issue here is just redundancy. And furthermore, making sure that interactions between people are more normal and realistic. Um, <laughs> or at least like, you know, <clears throat> it would have been fine if, for example, that that date conversation we read was an example of two people struggling and not yes. having a very good date. Or sure. perhaps Bella being like, wow, you really haven't been on a date ever in your hundred years <laughs> of life, have you? <coughs> yeah, you know, something. But to tell, to serve that to me and tell me this is romance, like, sorry, I'm sending that back to the kitchen and I'm going to spit <laughs> on it too because it is not. Oh. <sighs> so anyway, that's that concludes that part. Again, we could talk at length about this if you want more examples, I guess. Hit us up. Um, there were some there was like a weird plot thing that I didn't understand that I just want to touch on before we move to the next part. Um, there. So when they have this big chase scene that happens across multiple chapters and they're running away from the tracker who wants to eat Bella, um, they have to change cars on a highway while they're going like a hundred something miles an hour and neither me nor Chris could really figure out why they had to change cars. My guess is because the engine was going to get destroyed because they were really pushing the car. But it was a car with NOS on it, like it, with nitrous oxide. It was, like, it was a car with like uh, boosted speed, to put it simply. So like this car they gave them the Mario Kart mushroom. That, that's yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I guess I guess I know that like street racing cars are usually designed for short term bursts of speed and like short term racing. But still, like they weren't. I just I, I, don't think the engine would blow up. Paris, I think it was actually to like, a, like they were like blowing every fucking light in existence and shit. So like the cops were on that car's ass, I think. Is oh, the okay, 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 car. okay, okay. Once again, 
You saw it here first. We're figuring out shit on air. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Okay. And then there's another thing related to the whole chase. So, you know, once the tracker gets Bella and she's all fucked up and injured and almost dying and they save her and they get her to the hospital, Alice does all this, like, I don't know, fortune teller seer roulette in her head to figure out exactly what she needs to do to fake an accident um, so they can say that Bella went to a hotel, fell down some stairs and out a window at the bottom of the stairs. And my question is like, why do you need to fake an accident? I think it's because she was so injured that like bringing her in without a good story and then a lot of evidence to back that story up would make them look suspicious. But I don't, how often are hospital staff looking into like the circumstances beyond an injury? Yeah, if you're just maybe. like, she fell through a window, they would probably mostly take your word for it. Yeah, I don't think that they would, I don't know. I mean, and even, even so, like, all right, fine. Let's say you got to concoct a story or something. Sure. But the the way that they provide all the backup evidence is that <laughs> they Alice rents a hotel room and tricks the clerk into writing the wrong time down so it looks like they got the rooms earlier than they did, like on the form or whatever. She steals blood from the hospital. It's the same type as Bella's, but obviously not Bella's blood, so, you know. Um, and you know, falls down the stairs and jumps through the window and sprays the blood everywhere. And I'm like, dude, do you know hotels have cameras? Yeah. Like, like, like I don't know how they would. It's not like she dressed up like Bella or had a wig on or something, which would have made more sense. It was just Alice. She just went as herself and did this. And I was like, I don't know. I, I guess maybe, maybe, you know, with her magical clairvoyance, she chose a hotel that didn't have a camera there. I don't know, but also it this seemed chapter weird. is called chores, which is just a ve <laughs> like when I'm opened that chapter for the first time, I was like, oh shit, this is clearly going to be riveting. This is what the epilogue could have been, Paris. You could have just like at the end been like, and then Alice made it look like somewhat, you know, Bella fell through the window. Everyone accepted the story. You don't have to give me the whole layout on this. I think. Yeah, I agree that this is another thing that just went into insane detail. Like Alice could have just said. Hey, these are the things I did. I went here and did this and did this. Like, it's not important to the story that we go with Alice through this ruse, the construction of this ruse. Why do I need to sit here for several pages? And do I mean, this book just, it just stinks of, as Chris said, you know, a cash grab and also just milking anything she could for page count or word count. And I don't really know why. Like, I get wanting to make another book and make more money like sure whatever if you know your fans are idiots and they're gonna buy anything you put out then fucking do it we live in a capitalist hellscape fine but why why are you desperately trying to make it so fucking long i don't understand yeah do less work yeah. get that money with less work yes and yes <laughs> like okay. lessen my suffering Paris, um, i think we can put a bow on the writing construction we yeah can finally dig into relationship dynamics has expressed in this book, which we've touched upon a little bit already. So that'll help. Yeah. So, so obviously the biggest issue with this book uh, and this whole franchise is that this relationship between Edward and Bella is portrayed as this, you know, fireworks causing 
amazing life-altering romance and it's portrayed very positively but it's actually an extremely predatory possessive independent relationship that in real life would be extremely dangerous and i find it i find it a problematic that um, that this kind of relationship is fetishized and enshrined in the media as like a cool and good fantasy that teenagers should want. <laughs> I mean, if this dude was human and not a vampire, like how would we feel about him breaking into a house and watching this girl sleep who he barely knows? You know, if, if it were, you know, if he were just a regular dude, I don't think that people would be as okay with it because you know, this whole vampire and human romance thing, it's always, it's almost always something uh, done to make the <clears throat> the protagonist and usually the author feel special and sexy and, you know, oh my God, out of all the people, you know, he picked me or she picked me yeah, or they picked that's, me or whatever. That's the real fantasy is like, and, I am so special that I can alter this horrendous person's, uh, you know, lifestyle. Right. Uh, or, you know, and I can attract the attention of a vampire. Like, that's how great I am. And I guess in that sense, people who think like that or who have that fantasy must find things like breaking and entering and stalking appealing. <laughs> but I just, I don't buy it. No. And I, th I think it's actually extremely dangerous to peddle something like this in a popular piece of media. You know, because it's not like... It's not like it's being portrayed to critique. It's no, it's just portrayed as like, yeah, this is it. This well, is the relationship I mean, you want. The whole like, what? It, it, over the course of the whole book, Edward is having like, I know this is bad. I know this is terrible behavior. I'm being terrible about this. As it, you know, I feel like Stephanie Meyer probably heard those criticisms and was trying to like like make it okay. But like, look, Edward understands that this isn't normal good behavior for people to be doing. But he keeps doing it, and then Bella is totally fine with it. So yeah, so it's cool. It's fine, right? Yeah, you, you can totally do that if they, if they like, you know. Again, it's not like Edward waited and asked Bella, it's "Like, are you cool with me? Like, watching you sleep every night?" No, he just does it, and then it's oh, it happens to be cool later. So it was always cool, right? No, no. Yeah, and it's just I don't know. I like. Something else I don't buy about this relationship and is sort of a plot hole to me is that this dude has been alive since roughly 1901 and has never had a relationship with anyone. This is already hard to believe. And then you want to pile everything else on that that makes no sense. And this book is hard to enjoy even if you want a fantasy romance. Like, you're really going to tell me this guy's been alive for 100 years and he's never gone on a date, never had sex, never... I had a crush like i i just i find that really hard to believe there seems to be this thing with vampires where they're mostly solitary until they meet there's a lot of the soulmate the one thing happening here yeah. like when carlisle turns esme it's just because he found her at the bottom of a cliff or something he's like oh, oh god it's yeah. clearly her it's that she's the one so well, i have is, to turn her yeah and this is like this is actually I'm glad you brought that up because that's the other part of this that I feel is so damning because it's not even like you can say, OK, well, maybe Edward and Bella's relationship is problematic. But no, all of the vampires have this creepy, possessive, dependent, like like Chris said, sort of predestined soulmate shit going on. Carlisle finds Esme. I, I don't know. She jumped off a cliff, question mark. That's all we get there. 
and he just decides to turn her and it's like what if you turn her and she's like nah dude i'm gay like i mean she wasn't in a position to talk <laughs> yeah at the time she was so severely injured and the same thing happened with um uh em- emmett i think emmett uh, and rosalie mm, yeah i think that's the pairing and it's alice and jasper right and then yes. emmett and rosalie. okay yeah like Rosalie, they were like out hunting animals in the woods because they're good vampires. They don't eat people, you know. Eh. Um, and she finds Emmett ripped apart by a bear and she like carries him to Carlisle. Is like, you have to change him for me. And it's like, yeah, what if he woke up and he was like, ah, thanks, I guess, but I'm not into this. You know, like what the bear happens ripped then? off my penis. So. <laughs> so I hope you're not into penetration because, yeah. you know, um. Yeah, I mean, and same, I forget what Jasper and Alice's deal was, but it was similar. It was like, yeah, just this predestined, you know. It's always a love or knowing at first sight thing. And we also know this is the case later for werewolves in a fucked up way, too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) You can look that up on your own time. We don't have to get into that. Yeah. But like, I just, I I loathe that trope in any kind of media. Like, oh, I just saw and I knew. No. No, yeah, no, no. I, I, I'm sure. You have sure. to build that feeling over to- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know, Chris. And I feel like, oh God, we've talked about this so much, but I'm going to keep talking about it until the, until media in general changes. I'm going to be yes. yelling about this until I'm dead. And then when I'm yes. dead, I'm going to fucking haunt people about it. Like that's, <laughs> that's my goal. Like you're just thinking with your dick. Just just because you have positive feelings about someone doesn't mean it's love. (laughs) Get out of here, ghost. I'm trying to get laid. Too bad. (laughs) I'm going to do this now and make it worse. Uh, Anyway. um, Yeah. So that's that's a bummer. Right. Because, again, it's just (laughs) it's just like further evidence that this is indeed what is being peddled here. It's not a misinterpretation. (laughs) Despite the fact that the whole time Edward's like, actually, this is bad and dumb, but I'm still doing it. So that doesn't fix it. If the, if the character's just like, yeah, this is bad, but I'm still doing it. Like, and again, the complex inner thought doesn't go further than this is bad. I'm still going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I don't know. I'm just going to circle back to my original point. I don't, I have a really hard time with, I've been alive for a hundred years. I look like an attractive 17 year old and I've never had a relationship before. It's not as though he was asexual or aromantic or, or whatever. I mean, just kind of a, your average vampire dude. So like, what the fuck? I just, God, that's such a long time. 100 years, a century, and you've never had a connection with anyone? Well, Paris, when um, you're Mormon and you're writing a book about romance, (laughs) it's really all about that waiting for the one kind of thing. Yeah, see, I actually didn't know that the author, Stephanie Meyer, is Mormon until Chris happened to say something to me, like, almost when I was done with the book. I think I was, like, 90% through, and Chris was like, ha-ha, Mormon, and I was like, what? And I was like, oh, my God, this all makes so much more sense, like... All the planets aligned, and I, I saw, I was like, oh, God, that explains so much. But you're right. It does explain some of what uh, of what we're seeing here um, and why it doesn't jive with us specifically as we are not Mormon and do not subscribe to those ideas. Um, Yeah, I, I, like so much of this book is just Edward analyzing Bella's movements 
and thinking about how like I don't know she smells so good though should I eat her oh but I shouldn't eat her but I don't know I kind of want to kiss her too and it's extremely boring and it's it's like reading a transcript of the world's longest and most tedious National Geographic hunting special like if you just imagine David Attenborough going and the teenager sits in her biology seat today they are dissecting frogs her smell decadent her eyes I forget. <laughs> I believe they are brown. <laughs> Let us wait until she pans Forgetful toward... David Attenborough. <laughs> well, you know, this is a side gig. It's not really my main line of work. I put I, less it's care into regular animals, really, for the most part, but... The vampire looks toward her. In his mind, we know he's thinking about how delicious she is. In both ways. But also, how he maybe shouldn't do either of those things. In fact... This is just like yesterday, when we were here in this exact place, talking about these same things. Ah, yes, the teacher is coming over. Ah, and... Ah, he is placing a paper down between them. Ah, ah, they almost touched. Ah, keep your eye on that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, that is yeah, exactly that's... what I was imagining to keep myself entertained, because it was so boring. Um... <sighs> And it, so sorry, th this is related to relationship dynamics because you're just like, okay, even when they're not talking, it's not exciting. Um, like he has, I mean, all of these things he does is just fucking predator shit. Like if a human was doing this stuff, it would be jail time. So he's actually 100. She's 17. That's a big gap. That's a big gap. <laughs> a little wide. Um, and like, just classic predator shit. He even says to her, you don't seem 17, which is just the classic predator move. <laughs> you're older than you look. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know. Um, old soul. Oh, you're so mature. Like, Come hang out with me at my family's house. It's cool. I really feel like this book would be better if Edward was a total fucking creep vampire and a loser. And at the end, Bella was like, yeah, I learned a lot. Fuck this shit. Also, the rest of his inner monologue, when he's not doing the predator thing, it's actually like if you were having this inner monologue and trying to talk to someone or date someone, it would be fucking chemistry poison completely. <laughs> There's a scene where he like thinks about like her hand is near me. Should I touch her hand? And like that's like 10 pages of him like ruminating on the consequences of such a maneuver. Let me tell you, as someone who has been that guy in a situation before, <laughs> it don't work out if you're overthinking shit, bro. Then you end up in the car with her if you even got her to tag along with you because you're like, um, uh, would you like to uh, become on a uh, car ride with me? <laughs> and then you're like, well, uh, w uh, what's your favorite color? Br brown. Wow. Like it that that overthinking that you're doing, it's not cool and sexy and like, like <laughs> no. it's, it's fucking poison to a good conversation. That's just a really good point. Um, but yeah, I mean, back to back to like his predator, super predator moves. Um, he thinks, oh, no, a meteorite might kill her. Better better show up at her house in the middle of the night and also break in to watch her sleep. Oh, and she conveniently has a dream about me. So I this must be fine. If she's dreaming about me, then I can totally break into her home and watch her sleep in the dark every night. So he then proceeds to do this nightly. And she doesn't realize for a while, I think a week or a couple weeks or something. Um, 
he even and when he acknowledges his behavior was problematic, I mean, he really doesn't. So this is a quote him without me revealing how obsessive I was turning. I still wasn't sure exactly what madness had possessed me last night. I really needed to find a way to control my impulses. A paragraph later at the end of chapter six, it ends. That chapter ends with this fucking horrifying line. So after a paragraph ago, he was like, man, I really got to control myself. He's like, I curled my hand around the key I'd just picked from her jacket pocket and inhaled her scent deeply as I drove away. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking get out! Every single red flag in existence is currently waving all the alarm bells. (laughs) Holy shit! And then like, a little bit later, this is Edward. After school, she had plans to go out with the other girls. I automatically planned my own surveillance. Yeah. Using the word surveillance in reference to someone you want to date? Nope. <laughs> not okay. Um, you know, Bella says she's not hungry, but Edward forces her to go to dinner and eat, which is, you know, a version of the I know better than you, like controlling possessive we behavior shit. We saw that with shit. the prom thing as well. Yep. Um, this, these are more quotes that just support this thesis. I had just admitted to stalking her and she was smiling. She was too vulnerable for this world. She needed a protector. And through some twisted mismanagement of destiny, I was the closest thing available. She couldn't love me the way I loved her. Such overpowering, all-consuming, crushing love would probably break her fragile body. But she felt strongly enough. One of the creepiest lines in the entire book. Yeah. (laughs) He constantly refers to her as silk over glass. Um... At the end, when she's uh, laying in the hospital bed and is, you know, is all fucked up and stuff. I don't know. She'd been there like a couple days. So she was doing a little better, but she was still, you know, bed, uh, bed bound, basically. He goes, all right, now relax before I call the nurse back to sedate you. And then he actually fucking presses the button for sedation while she protests and the nurse sedates her. Cool. And she, and she slips. And it's just like, holy shit. How... Like, how much more obvious do you need it to be that this is an abusive relationship and not okay? (laughs) Not okay. But she's saying it's fine, Paris. So it's Uh, fine. I mean, even like, you know, you could possibly be a, you know, naive teenager that hasn't experienced a relationship before and therefore doesn't know healthy relationship dynamics when you see them. That couldn't be it. I mean, that's the thing. Like, again, it would be fine if it was that if at the like I said, if at the end she like kicks Edward to the curb and she's like, I don't care if you're a fucking cool ass vampire. You're a creep. And like Bella goes on to be a strong woman. Like, that'd be fine, <laughs> you know, but this whole this whole like validating all this shit is terrible. And it and it and it's the terror is increased a hundredfold when you realize how popular this shit is and how people actively fantasize about this shit like oh yeah this is what a this is what a good partner this is, is. this is cool this is hot like no it's not we already have enough of a problem in this world with abusive relationships and and things like that. oh god it's like we don't need more of it stephanie meyer fucking christ oh anyway um, there's even this, like, uh, there's a part where they're in a meadow together that Edward brings her to, and he does this weird performance where he's, he, he goes, oh, look, you know, 
aren't you should be scared of me like tries to scare her by doing all kinds of impressive vampire things like breaking a tree in half and Showing running real fast diamond skin sparkly thing yeah and i mean that's honestly something an abuser would do to terrify their partner into submission like yes. showing them demonstrating strength and scare and roaring at her and like stuff like that like that's so fucked up and i know i guess in his mind he's like oh but if i scare her away then i don't have to make this choice you know i basically absolve myself of the you know having to make a choice i'll just scare her away but then of course she's not scared so <sighs> um yeah i think we, we you know we already talked about earlier how he kind of treats her like a pet instead of a, a partner of equal foot unequal footing uh at the end like the vampire the tracker vampire that was you know trying to eat bella or whatever when he he lures her to a dance studio because a bunch of mirrors so he gets a good view of the murder i guess and he sets up a camera so that he can record the torture and murder of bella and then of course send it to edward but you know of course they they get there and they got the tape after they saved Bella and Edward is like, I'm going to watch this. And I was like, I don't know, man. Do you need to watch that? Is that something you need to do? Why do you need to watch that? Yeah. I could have just destroyed it right then and there. I don't see the point in that. I really find it concerning that he wanted to watch that. Yeah. He takes her to prom by force. Um, yeah. We've already gone over that. So yeah, I think I can close this up essentially with oh, like, Chris, sort of you related can't. points here of like the other thing about like, <laughs> miss the you. way this relationship is written <laughs> is like so many stupid cliche like this is what like real romance results in like so she's asleep in her bed and Edward is watching her and like this is after he's like told her like yes I watch you sleep like every night I'm, I'm here all the time. And, like, Bella's always, like, talking in her sleep around her. And, like, this is the night that she first says in her sleep, Edward, I love you. Which, like... Uh, uh, yeah, like, I don't not, think that happens. Well, when you're talking, like, in your sleep, it's like, did you take out the, the, the wall? Did, did we... We have to make sure that the dog is out for, for the ice. Get the ice, dog. It's like nonsense, right? Like it's not. Yeah, I. Like you're I, yeah. lucidly thinking about the last thing that you were thinking about when you drifted off. Yeah, I to I totally agree with you. Um, few people, few people talk in their sleep coherently enough. First of all, a lot of the times it's just it's just mumbly. It's like you're not actually speaking a language. You're just making mouth sounds, kind yeah. of, and when you know things that sound like words but aren't. Um, and then if you actually get to the point where you're even using words in a language like chris said it's usually nonsensical even then but then to get to a point where you're actually speaking sentences that are true and a reference to your real life and intelligible i just feel like it's, yeah. a lot, it's really unlikely you know not impossible but very unlikely um and then chris i was gonna say you can't miss your note about the fainting you got yeah, so on top of like on top of this, like another like oh it, the love is so intense. This, Bella is kissing Edward at one point and she faints because she quote forgets to breathe. Like bitch, like it's no, no kiss is that good. Very frequently, I you know if I'm kissing someone, I'm actually like just like okay, well I need to come up for air at some point here. It's not like my fucking survival <laughs> instinct gives out. 
<laughs> and I just let it happen. But Chris, that's the point. And so the oh, love is yes. so intense. So, yeah, but, but no, yeah, no one I mean, does that. That doesn't like, happen. Yeah, like you might be a little, you might be panting a little. You might be short of breath yes. if you're having a real in, intense, you know, kiss sesh or whatever. But yeah, the getting to the point of passing out. No, that yeah, no, complete silliness. And on top of that, the other moment where like Edward, he, he's a piano player. Of course. Oh, you know. uh, well, this this is going to segue into our next section, but go ahead yeah, with so the this story. Yeah, so this is how we're having, but like, they're, like, Stephanie Meyer, you have never dated a real human being if you <laughs> think busting out the old, baby, I wrote this one for you, results in that person crying tears. It Listen, as musicians here, Paris, I think you and I can both say that no one's ever moved to tears but like they could be like oh that was actually really good i think you're really good but like no one like you know i wrote this for you but da, 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 and then tears down the, no oh and then and then you eat the tears yes you're that's right. the thing that had, like so <laughs> bell is crying about his beautiful piano piece that he did and he just takes his finger and boop and like just eats it and no commentary <laughs> is made about that yeah that was bella probably has the no way- reaction to it um i will say so tear sucker is just a great phrase I'm going to use forever now. Um, so beyond the creepy tear sucking, um, I will say, Chris, I was brought to tears by something that my boyfriend wrote for me, but it was in combination with a, a thing he also drew for me. It was kind of a full audio visual experience and it was very adorable. It was the one and only time. So, Maybe I just don't make good enough art to trigger that. No, no, I th- I agree with you though. Even though I have been, you know, emotionally moved by something, I never was before that point. <laughs> you know, and I just think I also think that if it had just been music, I wouldn't have been because the visual component was, you know, was really special. It was a little cute little cartoon of, you know, medieval raccoons. Um so I'm with you on that. I think it's ridiculous to expect that anyone's going to cry over some piece of art that you made for them. I mean, they could be really appreciative and not shed a tear. And, that's and even fine. moved, right? Like, I just yeah. don't, like, I I don't know. It, but the, just that, amongst all the other stuff, it's like these silly cliche ideas of what, like, a truly deep romance is. That's, okay, but before we move into the, the vampire mechanics segment here, I, I just want to say my piece here about, mm-hmm. again, for me... The sign of, like, true depth in a relationship or, like, it's, like, we talked about this in the Bear episode. It's it's not these big sweeping moments, for, at least for me. I don't know, maybe for other people this is true. But for me, it's always just these very quaint, quiet, almost domestic things of, like, you know, I've watched my partner. It, the fact that she always tries to be empathetic and helpful and kind to people Despite the fact of how the world tends to treat people, she will always remain trying to be optimistic, trying to work hard for others. That is what makes me appreciate her very deeply. And the moments where she, like, without thinking, goes out of her way to sort of make sure I'm doing okay with, like, my vision issues is a a huge example that I use all the time. Mm. Um, That stuff is just autopilot for her. That kind of thing, those small actions are what speak volumes to me, not the way she kisses me or the fact that she smells good one day. That's cool, too. I'm not saying like those yeah. are great as well, but like this, the signs that I know that I might want to stick around with you for a while are are things like that. Or like, you know, you you just 
made dinner with me and it was a nice quiet evening and we enjoyed our company together. That seems kind of maybe boring on the outside, but just like, no, that's I, the shit that counts. Yeah, I agree with you in that it's, it's those moments where you recognize that someone is actually is loving you. They are showing you that they love you by actually loving you and not just telling you they love you or, or, you know, doing cliche shit. Like it's really in how you show someone you love them by actually loving them and not just doing weird performances of cliches or saying you love someone without backing it up. Like, yeah. And so in this, in this book, I mean, I mean, I know he saves her life, but I, I feel like that's something a good Samaritan might do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right? Not, like that's... It doesn't have to be your soulmate. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, and beyond that... I... What do they have besides, like, the life-saving moments of, of, like, showing that they care for each other? Oh, you know what? They have Debussy and Linkin Park. I forgot. Oh, they both share those. Of course, the, <laughs> Wonderful the interest. The hottest mixed CD this, this side of Forks, Washington. Oh, jeez. What a terrible... I don't even much like Debussy, to be honest with you. Um, and I definitely cool. don't... I definitely don't like Linkin Park, so... I would be lying if I didn't pretend... Like, if I was trying to pretend like I didn't jam hybrid theory in middle school a bunch. Oh, sure. But these are like, these are like neat people that are almost 18. Like, I mean, anyway, anyway, we're like sitting in a car listening to that fucking bridge. <gasps> oh my God. In one wait, step closer. Wait, wait, it's like, wait, shut wait. up. What I'm talking to you. And Edward's like, yes. Wait, I enjoy this. I actually have a note that actually happens. My note, my note is called Hello, Fellow Kids. And it is, it is this quote from this book. I put in a CD of violent music and then turned it up until it drowned out other voices. So, yeah, you just imagine like a vampire being like, yeah, Linkin Park. He's listening to the disturbed uh, down with the sickness bridge where the singer's mom comes in the recording studio and beats his ass. (laughs) Wait, what what did it actually wait? What year did this book happen? I don't I, I don't know. Was it 2001 or 2002 or 2000? No, this matters, Chris. I need to know. Okay, so when was Linkin Park Hybrid Theory out? I suppose like around then. I because, So like 19 like yeah, like early 2000s cuz that's when I was in middle school. Okay, so if this takes place in 2002 instead of 2001, they really missed an opportunity by not just saying it was the Queen of the Damned soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> For like a variety of reasons. Yeah. You got vampires, you got bad new metal mixes, like it's yeah. all there. But I think it might have been 2001. So eh. we might have they might have missed that critical year. Yeah. <laughs> um <clears throat> All right, Paris, all right. I think we so can move into We have we have now we have now arrived at the vampire mechanics and other dumb or confusing details section. I'm thinking of li- <laughs> a literal vampire mechanics, it's like, well, there's your problem right there. You're made completely of mineral and diamond. Of course, that's <laughs> not going to work. Well, there's your problem there. You don't got no blood in you. We got to get you some blood. Hang on. Wait a minute. You haven't been eating any humans lately? That's that, you. You got to be eating some humans, buddy. That's you can't live off that deer blood forever. <laughs> Um, <coughs> all right. So like the, Chris brings up probably my favorite point about why this is stupid. Chris, take us away. Paris, why do the vampires have to keep going to high school all the time? That is because, a great question. <laughs> listen, they're not going out into town that often. It seems they're mostly hanging out at home. 
And so if you're trying to be like, oh, this is the cover story so people aren't suspicious of us, when the only reason people might even see you that often is when you're going to the school, perhaps you could just remove that entirely and not have to go to the school. And you could just say, oh, they're homeschooled. Or even, hey, they look kind of young for their age. They graduated already. It's not too hard, especially if they're going to remain that way. <laughs> right? Like, so at some point you were going to have to go like, oh, they're, they're, they just look young. They work with me in the family business or something. Yeah, I don't understand. Like you said, they could be homeschooled. They could be not teenagers because... They're not all 17 or 60. I mean, I think some of them are a little, or 20s maybe. But anyway, they could easily pass for being in their early 20s. Like, you don't need to force the fucking kids to go to school forever. Like, what? What, why? Like, what a truly horrendous immortality to have to repeat high school a bunch of times to like for a cover story. Oh, Chris, American high school. Oh, oh God. Maybe you're right. Maybe she was trying to instill in us the... um the futility and misery yeah, of immortality. Like Maybe that, that's, that's, that's probably the, or it's really just to get Edward in the same place as Bella. That's really it. Right. Like that's, yeah, that's the I mean, reason that they have to attend yeah. high school. I mean, my, but like, but that, no, it's not because they live in the town. Like they could have bumped into each other yes. going or swimming or hiking how about, or I got Paris. How about this? Bella is college age and Edward just likes getting more degrees. Because if you're immortal, yeah. you might as well, like, be more educated. And, like, he kind of does that, too. He says, like, he has multiple medical degrees and shit. He has multiple PhDs, yeah. So, like, why not just have that be part of it instead of, like, oh, you have to go to high school? Yeah, I I mean, I'm wondering if maybe the strategy here is we don't want to be the exact same family everywhere we move because it's easier to track. So maybe they... They're like, oh, this time you'll go to high school again. Next time you'll be in college. Next time you'll be 30. Like, I don't know. Um, that's the only thing I can really think of that's like a somewhat reasonable reason. But you don't um, even have to have those cover stories, right? You can just be like, this is my family. We live here. Yeah. And then there's also this line at the beginning of the book where Rosalie says, I don't want to move yet. Rosalie complained. I don't want to start over. We're almost out of high school, Emmett. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> what like first of all how many times have you gone through like you don't have to be in school God. <laughs> stop it get out it's so boring i i just i don't know oh yeah and then there's well we did have a question about why are vampires into baseball and we never get an answer for no, that it's just like oh vampires really love a good old game of baseball American pastime, like, okay. Um, why? Why? No explanation as to why vampires are you, into baseball. You know, you can't even do a Harry Potter invent like a vampire sport, Stephanie Meyer, that yeah. takes more advantage of these fantastical abilities or something. Baseball? God. Baseball. I mean, I'm sorry, folks. I'm just not into baseball. I find it insanely boring. Um... Just like, like make a vampire sport. I don't know. Pin the blood sack on the other vampire. I don't. Like. <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, I guess you. Mm. And and the reason I'm I'm like straining for a, you know, a, a reason for this is because it's something that kind of puts them in danger of discovery, right? Um, 
because they have to go outside in a big open area and play. So like, it, you know, very likely that people could come upon them. And they are come upon by other vampires. Yeah, right. Which causes the whole ending scenario. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I guess I don't understand. Um. Oh, sorry. And to, and to be clear, the reason why this would out them if other people were to watch them play baseball is because they're, you know, moving at hyper fast vampire speed. They all have kind of special abilities and stuff. And it would be obvious that something was up. It wouldn't look like a normal game of baseball. So like. If it's so important, like, why is it so important to them that they would risk outing themselves to people? I, like, that's why I'm searching for a reason Also, here. in this particular context, they knew that there was some, like, pack of other vampires, like, coming in the area soon because of Alice's clairvoyance. But Edward is still like, hey, let's go out and have a game of baseball with Bella amongst us. Real dumb. Well, because they, they didn't know that they were going to get there so soon. They thought they had an extra day or something. That's what. But, why. like, still, maybe, like, you know, because you know Alice's visions are, are a little <laughs> bit gray. Like, you know that they're not 100% for sure. Maybe, yeah, just, like, stay inside a couple extra days, wait for them to pass through, and then have your baseball game. Don't tell me you're impatient as a 100-year-old immortal vampire. You haven't learned how to wait a day. <laughs> yeah, play some fucking Scrabble inside, guys. <laughs> Um, oh, just some other funny things. So vampires don't actually need to breathe air, but they do need the air to speak, which I guess makes some sense yes. biologically, got, but yeah. it's still funny and yes. stupid. Yeah. <laughs> because there are a couple of times where this comes up because Edward doesn't want to breathe in Bella's delicious aroma. So he's like, okay, time to stop breathing so I don't smell her and get all riled up. But then he has to talk, and he's like, oh, shit, I only have enough air for ten more words. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, the breathing thing, like, so they can just walk on waterbed, like, f the ocean floor or something, I think. Or maybe there's a line somewhere in the chase sequence where it's like, he could just disappear into the water, and we couldn't track him, and then he'd come up in Japan. Yeah. So I'm like, wait, so is he, do you mean he's just swimming to Japan, or are they implying that, like, they would, he would fall to the ocean floor and walk to Japan? I... I mean, that would mean that vampires would have to be very heavy. So I don't think it was the walking Yeah, I part. think they, assumingly they just swim there or something. But like, yeah. mm, mm. But like, I mean, you're going to encounter a whole lot of sea creatures in boats. That doesn't sound very safe. All right. Well. Anyway. I, yeah. How about. Moving on. While we're talking about the clairvoyance here. Ugh. How about how this is just a pile of shit as a writing device? Yeah, it's real. So again, not only is she, not only can she see into the future, she can also see the present kind of, right? Because she can see like a few seconds or into the future. So it's like, yes. she can basically see what's actually happening. And it seems like she doesn't have a whole lot of limitations. The other reason this sucks is because Alice basically forces Edward and Bella into a relationship because she tells Edward about her visions. I mean, he can also see into her mind because he can read thoughts, but she's she's also fairly adept at like blocking, you know, at not thinking about stuff. So, but she advocates for it and she's like, you know, well, Edward, you're either going to love her or, or kill her or turn her into a vampire or whatever. And it's like, why... Why is that the choice? Like, why can't it just be, eh, 
I'll leave her alone or we can be friends. Or why don't you just not tell him and let him make up his own fucking mind, Alice? Why, by telling people visions, you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's exactly what this shit is. Like, but even then, there's plenty of times where Alice is like, no, I'm definitely 95% sure that if you do this, it will result in, Ed, you know, Bella being eaten by you or something. But then like a couple of paragraphs later, she's like, oh, actually something changed now. So it's not really 95% sure, right, Alice? Like it, it can always be gray and change. I could do the same shit. To, hey, Paris, tomorrow you're going to eat oatmeal for breakfast. Oh, wait, no. Now you're deciding to eat yogurt instead. Oh, wait, no, I guess maybe there's a chance you'll have some toast. I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that the visions aren't 100%, that there's some malleability. But unfortunately, like you said, it's like a terrible writing crutch because they never would have gotten through a lot of these situations if it wasn't for Alice's clairvoyance. It dictates everything the vampires do and how they get and how they get out of things. And I just find that's really lazy. Yes. And, and furthermore, you know, how far does this go? You know, it's like, do they make all decisions like this? You know, like, all right, how good of a fucking sandwich is someone going to make for me later? All right, don't kill them. I, They're going to make I a killer sandwich. I foresee that they put too much mayo on it. I mean, not that they eat food, but you know what I mean? I mean, it just, it gets really ridiculous. I mean, when they are in the car, in the chase scenes, Alice is like, all right, this car is going to, you're like, you got to merge right, merge left, because she can like see it 30 seconds ahead in her head or something. And they would never have actually gotten ahead of the tracker and gotten to Bella in time if it hadn't been for Alice being like, no, search this side of the lake. No, run to this state. No, go here. And it's just, it's so fucking lazy. And also it kind of undermines the fact that these vampires are supposed to be so powerful and have all these cool abilities, but then they just all rely on Alice's clairvoyance. Yeah, it really sucks a lot of any sort of interest in any of the high tension scenes let's say because they don't have to do much figuring it's just alice looking into the future and saying oh this is the best course of action let's just do this yeah i mean so there's never any problem solving it's just look into the future and, and i know do the solution that. or or i know what's most likely going to be the solution you know it's yeah so that really put a damper on any of the stuff that could have been interesting <laughs> <laughs> Which was like the last eight chapters when finally there's some danger involved besides just Edward going, well, I might eat you. Well, I might. Yeah, I I mean, that, there's all these other weird things with vampire mechanics in this series. Um, or or well, I guess we could start with some that aren't weird that are unfortunately all too common. So for some reason, vampires are always like hot white dudes from Europe somewhere and they're always like the classics, you know, all the white Western shit from the last two to 300 years, you know, forsaking all of history and yeah. all of geography beyond that, beyond Europe in the last two to 300 years. Um, it's just always that it's always, always that shit. Um, and you know, which is why, Oh, you know, Edward is a pianist. He's also, you know, great at baseball and he's a great runner and you know, all this shit. But then but then Stephanie Myers slips up a little bit <laughs> and he is playing piano at home and he's talking to his family, you know, having, having a conversation and playing the piano. That's what you do at home, I guess. And, um, I guess Alice was somewhere else and she walks into the room and Edward says, ah, then I favored her with a performance of chopsticks. <laughs> I just couldn't, I couldn't 
handle how stupid that was. No one wants to hear chopsticks. It's not good or funny. It's insanely lame and weird to put that in your book. No one wants to hear chopsticks. Um, I will also never not think it's funny that the vampires in this universe sparkle in the sun because apparently their skin yeah. has mineralized. Yeah. Oh, God, I went down a fucking the, the hole. The fucking justifications okay? for this shit, man. All right. So if you go to fucking stephaniemeyer.com, there's a facts and questions section, and within the pregnancy section, if you dare oh, to oh, go good. through that, oh. that uh, you know, Glad swamp. She cleared that brush. Um, there's a section that explains this, and this. Okay, I'm reading this verbatim from the stephaniemeyer.com website. So their skin is mineralized. <clears throat> Quote: However, the cells that make up their skin are not pliant like our cells. They are hard and reflective like crystal. A fluid similar to the venom in their mouths works as a lubricant between the cells, which makes movement possible. Note, this fluid is very flammable. A fluid similar to the same venom lubricates their eyes so that their eyes can move easily in their sockets. However, they don't produce tears because tears exist to protect the eye from damage and nothing is going to be able to scratch a vampire's eye. The lubricant venom in the eyes and skin is not able to infect a human the way saliva venom can. Similarly, throughout the vampire's body are many versions of venom-based fluids that retain a marked resemblance to the fluid that was replaced and function in much the same way and toward the same purpose. Though there is no venom replacement that works precisely like blood, many of the functions of blood are carried on in some form. Also, the nervous system runs in a slightly different but heightened way. Some involuntary reactions, like breathing, continue in that specific example because vampires use the sense in the air much more than we do, rather than out of a need for oxygen. Other involuntary reactions, like blinking, don't exist because there is no purpose for them. The normal reactions of arousal are still present in vampires, made possible by venom-related fluids that cause tissues to react similarly as they do to an influx of blood. Like with vampire skin, which looks similar to human skin and has the same basic function, fluids closely related to seminal fluids still exist in male vampires, which carry genetic information and are capable of bonding with a human ovum. And she explains that... Female vampires can't become pregnant because they can't change. And my response is, how the fuck could a male vampire change enough to have viable sperm, you absolute fucking clown, if you're going to tell me that nothing ever changes, they're, like then the sperm wouldn't be viable. Get fucked. Okay. <laughs> I hate you. I, I, can, I can fix this, Paris. Oh? When you get changed into a vampire... The, the cum that you had in you at that time is that's like your shot, right? Oh my so, god, like, if you oh my just, god, you're right. That's you're the right. one bullet there that you have. Wait, but how would they stay alive if you're I listen? Mean, I'm really fair... bridging this uh, fucking river as much as I can. This is the only way that I can justify this. Yeah, I guess like, if it's if it's a hundred year old sperm, it's still been alive, waiting, just loaded. For... I mean, you might be right, you might be right. Okay. So maybe it's just old ass sperm that's somehow still alive. <laughs> mm, great. Mm. Okay. Well, we're going to have to accept that. All right, Chris. Fine. Fine. You fixed it. All right. So I read this so that we could get the skin part, but I thought it was funny to keep going with the, with the, the cum, mm -hmm. vampire cum. All right. So, all right. So their skin is mineralized and it's reflective like crystal. And there's, you know, fluid to kind of microscopic fluid to make it look like regular skin. And, their whole thing is like, well, the sun doesn't destroy them. They just sparkle in it. And so they live in Forks, Washington, because there's so much cloud cover there. And I was like, folks, 
I still get sunburn on cloudy days because light still comes yeah. through clouds. <laughs> so they would still at least have a sheen on them. Even in a cloudy environment, they're still going to sparkle a little. And like, look, I'm not crunching fucking hard numbers here, but I, lo- I looked up some basic statistics about the sun and clouds. And apparently 85% of sunlight can reflect off of water and snow and up to 80% of UV rays can penetrate through clouds. So like with those two facts in mind, they, they'd still be sparkling. Also, do they just skip every school or a work day when it's sunny? Like, yeah. Carlisle's a doctor. What? I mean, I guess he works at the graveyard shift, maybe. That would but, make sense. Okay, but, but if, like, your skip, if you're not there all the time that it's sunny, kind of ruins your whole vampire cover thing. Well, and again, I, I truly believe that they would still be sparkling. Yes. Even on cloudy days because yes. of the way the sun works. <laughs> yes. Clouds. Um, and you there's might like, have noticed that even when it's cloudy... It's still bright outside. I mean, yes, less. And maybe you need to hit some sort of threshold of brightness for it to truly sparkle or something. But it's going to catch here and there, right? Like, even on cloudy days, there's a couple of breaks in there. You step out into that one bright spot. Yeah, I just... Trust me, as someone whose eyes are very sensitive to light, even on cloudy Mm -hmm. days, there are times when I'm still blinded. Yeah, I know. I, I, I mean, you, your eyes are more sensitive than mine, but I also have that have a similar problem. So here's the thing. If they sparkle in sunlight and they can't be in sunlight, it would have to be fucking nighttime or they would have to be inside. There is there's no way you can be out in the day where there is the sun and not sparkle like I I just don't I don't think it's possible. You know, whatever. I'm not a physicist. I'm not an astronomer. Not astronomer. No. Uh, astro, whatever, space, sky chemist. I don't know. Yes. I'm sky not an chemist atmos- is- atmospheric chemist is what I was going for. You know, I. but just from thinking about some, some basic science stuff, it doesn't seem to me like they would ever be able to escape the sparkling. Yes. Even in a cloudy ass place yes. like Forks. And Forks is really a cloudy place. FYI. Uh, another another part of vampire mechanics I don't understand. Why does becoming a vampire mean that your mind becomes a supercomputer and you are very smart? Being 100 years old doesn't mean you'd be all-knowing or have a computer brain, as we can see with actual humans who reach 100 or, or more years. Like No, so Paris, it's like, so, you know, like your human brain is like classic disk drive, but because vampires are solid and unchanging, they're an SSD. Maybe. So it's just permanent access there. Uh, yeah. Until I, you I run mean, out of drive I, space, I suppose. Like, I, <laughs> maybe. Wait a minute. I mean. Wait a minute. If what? How do you have new thoughts if your brain chemistry is forever unchanging? It's a great question, Chris. It's a great <laughs> I question. I mean, that's, you know, we're, we're getting into the nature of consciousness there, so that could be any answer. So I'm not going to dig yeah. too deep into that. Um, All right. Yeah, so but moving something, on. Something else that really bugged me was... There's this emphasis on how vampires are just so physically powerful that they're a danger just by existing. And this is this is demonstrated in the fact that, like, they have to play baseball during a thunderstorm because otherwise people would hear how hard they hit the ball and how aggressive they are. Um, And also when Edward says shit like this to Bella, quote, It's just that you are so soft, so fragile. I have to mind my actions every moment that we're together so that I don't hurt you. 
I could kill you quite easily, Bella, simply by accident. I reached up carefully to lay my hand against her cheek. If I was too hasty, if for one second I wasn't paying enough attention, I could reach out, meaning to touch your face, and crush your skull by mistake. You don't realize how incredibly breakable you are. I can never, never afford to lose any kind of control when I'm with you. So if he could shatter her skull accidentally, how the fuck does he go through life? That would mean he'd have to be thinking carefully about every step, every fucking grasp of a pencil, every movement, every second to not just be destroying walls and doors and floors. Like, I do that do, also doesn't yeah, make sense that to me. Against like the fact that they can operate pretty normally most of the time. It doesn't seem like you have to concentrate that hard. And also there are moments where he momentarily loses control for a second and he doesn't like break Bella's arm or anything like that. So that just seems like a little bit of inconsistent bullshit to me. Yeah, I agree. Um other like weird vampire mechanic stuff. They can, so vampires can like fast travel by running real fast. And so my question was during this chase scene, like, why did they even need to use cars to get to Bella? Like, I understand them not being as fast as a plane, but they seem to be as fast or faster than cars because there are scenes where they're like running next to cars. Yes. And stuff. So I, I don't like know. It's not tired either, right? Because there's no, like, yeah. they say, oh, we just don't get tired. Right. They don't even so, sleep. So I Why do I you don't... need to be in the... I guess if you don't want to be riding down the highway in broad daylight is the justification. Yeah, there. maybe. But you could take the non-highway route. Right. Which they do at the beginning of it. They actually run after the other vampire who is also fast travel running. So that was a little a little unclear to me exactly like how fast they can run. I mean, I guess if they can only run like 50 miles an hour or something then maybe they would have to take a car to get up to 100 and something but it was unclear yes. and and it was yeah it was troubling to me um <clears throat> something else like this whole this big conflict that happens at the end where the only action happens in the entire book uh where you know this this tracker and his two friends come upon them playing baseball and bella's there and you know, the wind blows in a direction and he gets a whiff of her. And I was just thinking like, how, you know, imagine if, if this were people, right? And like, <clears throat> you roll up to your friend's farm and uh, you're like, oh man, that cow, that cow looks delicious. It smells so good. Like, can I butcher your cow? And your friend's like, oh no, man, that's like, that's my pet cow. That cow's, that cow's my best friend. And then your response is, then I will hunt you and your cow until the end of time for the perfect burger. Like, it's just comical to the point of absurdity here. I mean, why can't the vampire just be like, oh, that's weird, and move along? I mean, I guess because they're trying to because say, like, tracker, oh. Because like, Tracker, that's his whole being is being obsessed yeah. with, like, the hunter. But, like, again, the, the, the whole sequence where they're chasing around, eventually it's just... Emmett and Jasper can take him down. So they're like, first they're scared of him because like the the, uh, the other vampire that he was with is like trying to be like, no, you don't understand. James can like really fuck you up. He's like really, really powerful. But then just Emmett and Jasper take him down. So if there was a multiple points at which there was the whole Cullen family versus the tracker and perhaps those other two vampires too, which didn't seem as strong at all, especially mm. since one was always running away and hiding. You could have just taken care of business right there, right? Yeah, and they for, they decided not to have the fight there because they were afraid that Bella would get hurt in the melee, which I kind of get. But um, 
I mean, yeah, like seven vampires to three, certainly. I mean, they even said, like, there's no way they could win this. So <clears throat> anyway, I thought it was a really absurd reaction. And, I, and, the, and the reason I bring this stuff up is because I can imagine other better ways that this could have happened, right? Like, <clears throat> you know, say, <sighs> instead of having some special tracker vampire come upon them in a field playing baseball in a thunderstorm randomly. Like, you know, there, there is, there is another way this could be done where it's, it's not this kind of situation reaching absurdity. Right. Um, you know, maybe, maybe more than one vampire smells her and then everyone's on to the fact that they have like a pet human and it becomes a thing, you know, with the other vampires that might actually be more interesting <laughs> Then, then this one guy really wants to have a good Bella burger, you know? Um, I don't know. Uh, there's just, just a bunch of dumb shit. So, yeah, I was not into this version of vampires. It is, like, a somehow a worse version than the Anne Ricean type. Yes. Um, oof. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we got anything else. Um, oh, can we fix it? I think we already mentioned at the top that this isn't really something that's fixable for us, but you know, it it could be fixed. I think. I think if it can be fixed. Really, apart. just edited down all this redundancy and made it. I don't know, two hundred to three hundred pages instead, which is totally doable. Yeah, this would be a little bit more palatable. Yeah, and I mean, in terms of the the problems we have with the plot um, and the characters and stuff, I think that could be fixed by just being like, well, this is Bella learning about relationships and you know her first one is an abusive one and then she grows out of it and learns as a person like that yeah that's how i would fix yes. the plot without yes. changing it too much you know um you know and you could still have a series about it i mean you yeah. could explore that nightmare over many books yeah, and you it know like you know a book doesn't always have to have a happily ever after it's totally fine if the yeah. ending is edward just like and then i had to let her go because yes this is bad yeah, right? Wouldn't it have been so much more rewarding if he was like, yeah, this is actually bad for her. Like, if she, you know, if she becomes a vampire, or even if I'm just hanging around for 30 years until she's middle-aged and I don't like her anymore because that's the kind of guy where it seems like. Um, again, vampire in love with a teenager. Why? Doesn't make, doesn't make sense. I mean, I get... Ugh. I, bringing us back to the top, I get how the initial attraction happened because he's like, huh, she's the only person whose mind I can't read. But you know what? If he could read her mind, he wouldn't give a shit about her. Because yes. what would Bella's thoughts be? Oh, man, I can't wait to read Pride and Prejudice when I go home. Oh, Brown's boy. cool. I like Brown. I like... Oh, Edward Cullen's cute. But that's like what everyone else I've thinks of the school. Become so numb. I can't... That's a good <laughs> song. <laughs> <laughs> second i didn't know what you were doing there and then i remembered um, all right paris um i that i mean do you have i i'm done i, oh, I need to yeah, put this I'm, to rest yeah I, yeah we really need to stake this one huh yes. all right um, drive it home into the heart <laughs> drive that stake right through the heart all right well thank you patrons thank you to dari greg veronica will d jared lynn senia yakub bobby black cat jensina mayo cat elliot kieran martin j scott luchek ctap1 miri yanka robert allen cook the third david julius and anya thank you all 
I've lost count at this point. Like all of you, or something. Yeah. Twenty four, twenty five of you. Thank you very much uh, for supporting the show for making episodes like this possible. Um, if you too would like to become a patron, you can head over to patreon.com slash terrible book club and you can sign up for a dollar a month five dollars a month or even ten dollars a month if you want to force us to read a book once a year we give you that power in exchange for ten dollars a month uh you can also subscribe to the show on youtube if you want to support us in a non-fiduciary fashion um or you could follow us on facebook instagram twitter or goodreads if you're on those platforms most importantly though we'd really love it if you just shared the show on social media and like told at least one person about it Another helpful thing you could do that doesn't cost any money, merely a few minutes of your time, is to write a review. Um, we actually, we got another nice review recently. Um, all right. This is from Peter Amesberger in Austria. Five stars. Funny and surprisingly informative. I rarely listen to podcasts, but this one is quite funny and sometimes surprisingly informative. Some days I listen to multiple episodes back to back. Also, it helped me not being bored to death during my stay at the hospital. Wow. Okay. okay. Damn. Glad was... to have helped. I hope you're okay, Pete. Jesus, kind of buried the lead there. Yeah, Peter. <laughs> hope you hope you're all right. Hope that, you know what? He's got an Austrian hospital. He's fine. Yeah, I we hope a worry. vampire didn't put you there. <laughs> yeah, I hope a vampire didn't record your torture and then put you in the hospital and then forcibly give you uh, sedation. Yeah, don't let him take you to prom either. If you don't want to go, you don't have to go, Pete. <laughs> don't go to prom. All right, so th thank you very much for the review, though. And uh, if you would like to write us a review, we will read it on a future episode, just like we read Peter's today. Um, if you need to contact us directly, you can send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com, or you could send us a message on Patreon, Goodreads, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Okay, and with that, our long, endless, thankfully not immortal, never-ending journey through uh, this twilight here is is at an end thank god i'm so happy oh uh, yeah i i actually uh when we finished this i i started reading the next book and then i read half of it in a day and i was like oh this feels so good yeah <laughs> all right Not we'll we'll get to that next time see you then bye everybody bye